Once again, greetings in Jesus' name. This is Kevin Williams from Death Postbird Ministries with my talk, Ancient Principles from the Bible for Today's Problems. My theme today is Messiah to the Rescue, to Redeem Fallen Humanity. God gave Jesus to the world, not to condemn but to redeem, not to reject but to receive. Therefore, I introduce the word of God for my meditation, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is, listen to this, the word of God always is, one, alive and powerful, two, sharper than any double-edged sword, three, penetrating even to the dividing, four, of the soul and spirit, five, the joints and marrow. Six, that it judges the thoughts of your heart and of mind. Seven, and the attitudes of the heart. Complementary to Hebrews chapter 4.12 is Timothy 3.16. Again, it says, all scripture is. It means it will always be the same. It cannot change. All scripture was all scripture is and all scripture will be forever one god breath and it is a useful for teaching b useful for rebuking c useful for correcting d useful for training in righteousness amazingly the 13th word bring us to a further investigation into the subject, the person of Messiah. Now we know that Messiah is Jesus Christ. This is his identity. He, he took on humanity, not to condemn but to redeem, not to reject but to receive, not to kill, but he came into a world to give life and life in the abundance. The subject, the person of Messiah, and his work on behalf of you and on my behalf. To get a clearer view of the number 13, let us review the word my again. As per our investigation, the word my, we discovered that the word relates to the personal pronoun I. The personal pronoun refers to us, you and me, in relation to our dependency on the person of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. In philosophy, the I, in met metaphysics, represents the object of self-consciousness, identifying every person on the face of the earth. It means you have a soul, I have a soul, and the 8.7 billion people on the face of the earth has a soul it means they are the i and i am also the i it means i have a personality and goddess has has come into the world to redeem the personality with the soul therefore the word my basically speaks of someone's towards whom messiah will say he's a his thoughts, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. B, his feelings, John 3 16. C, receiver of divine action, Christ as benefactor, 
coming to the world to give us life and life in the abundance. Today my meditation calls your attention again on the 13th word, my, but with special emphasis on the position of the word in the sentence of Psalm 121 verse 1. The subject Messiah, Jesus Christ, means the object of divine favor, mankind, every person in the human race. Mysteriously, God the Holy Spirit led me to a relook at the word. I say mysteriously, the 13th position of the word calls for a meditation, listen to this, on Psalm 8. The Holy Spirit placed within my spirit the book of Psalms, Psalm number 8. So the word my introduces us to the question, what is man? Let us, in, let, let us go as an introduction into Psalm 8, or let me give you a background. As per Hebrew Chmatea, the number seven symbolizes perfection. Two, the number eight represents an entity that is one step above the natural order, higher than nature and its limitation. So what eight represents is this. One, eight stands for one step above the natural order. Two, higher than nature. Three, and its limitation. So it, it, it speaks about someone supernatural in person, the person of the Lord and Savior Jesus. Messiah, God who comes humanity, he will come down and there's no limitation. He's coming to you and he's coming to me. Three, the number eight always alludes to a departure from the natural world and an entry into the supernatural world. Four, the number eight represents the spiritual world. Five, therefore number eight represents the personality of Messiah as the ruler beyond heaven and beyond the earth. Six, when prophet David starts his psalm, he recognized both the covenant name of God as O Lord, an exclamation, and the position of the Lord to his people and beyond. Seven, Psalm 8 is one praise song. It is basically a praise. It's a glorification song, praising, glorifying Messiah, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So Psalm 8 is a praise song which could be an important item during the celebration of the enthronement or the reaffirmation of Messiah as King. Psalm 8 basically represents the enthronement of Messiah as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Eight, the opening exclamation of O Lord, our Lord, introduces the status of Messiah 
as exalted and praiseworthy throughout the entire cosmos, throughout the entire world. 9. Psalm 8 is therefore used to identify Jesus with humanity and humanity with Jesus. 10. Jesus completely represents humanity. It represents the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption, and the future status of man. Jesus Christ at his resurrection conquered Satan, sin, and death, even the grave. In his ascension, this man, the God-man, reigns and rules supernaturally, majestically, forever and forever. Therefore, for reflection, Psalm 8 has 10 verses. Now listen to this. In the Hebrew, this psalm constitutes 10 verses. Now it was, I was told that whenever you see the number 10 in the Hebrew, it represents the personality of the person of Messiah, the person of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to seek and to save the lost, meaning humanity in general. The 8.7 billion people on the face of the earth, Jesus came and he rescued us. He will rescue you. And it will rescue me. Point seven. Psalm 8 is basically, now listen to this, a prediction and prophecy. One, the credentials of Christ as creator. Two, the call of Christ to redeem humanity as Messiah to redeem. Three, the coronation of Messiah. Above all rule. It means the enthronement as the entire sovereign ruler over land and sea. Twelve. If the first Adam was set over the animal kingdom to work it and to bring it to order, the second Adam, Messiah Jesus Christ, will bring order even to the beastly acting kingdoms in his reign Upon his return. 13. His kingdom in contrast with ours will bring a great order and peace to our world. Point A. Let us investigate the coming of the person of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Point A. The credentials of Christ. Who Messiah basically is according to the word of God. We ought to look at Psalm 8, 1, 2, 3. And these verses introduce it. Now listen to this. The royal qualities of the divine monarchy. Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, the first and the last. One, Christ is called excellent. He is both superior and sovereign over heaven and upon the earth. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Two, in all the earth who sets thy glory above the heavens tells me that Christ, the pre-existed one, reigns over the entire universe. So Messiah existed before creation. He rules over the entire cosmos as per Ephesians 
chapter 1, 20 to 23. Three, cosmos represents that Christ created. One, the seen world, earth, planets, and the galaxies, including the sun, moon, and stars. Two, the unseen world, the outer space, and whatever is unseen to the mortal eyes is visible is tangible for Christ as Messiah that came into our world. Three, the known and the unknown is under the control of Christ. Everything is under the sovereignty of the person of Christ. Four, Christ is awesome in the earth and is called the superb one of the cosmos. He is the central figure in the entire universe. He is the center of attraction. He is the majesty upon high, upon heaven, and upon the earth. Five, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, Jeremiah 33, verse 25. God is called the sun and the moon and the stars into order. He called them into existence. So this Messiah that will come to redeem us reigns and rules over the entire cosmos, the entire world. A, this verse is a statement and revelation of the majesty of Christ beyond heaven and earth. B. The moon and stars display the splendor of Christ. His creative supremacy for both man and heavenly adversaries to observe. We have to observe the majesty of the person of Christ upon the earth. Four. Adam was created to rule in the place of God as God's representative on the earth. Two, as per Genesis, Adam was meant to rule six categories. He had to rule over six categories. Psalm 8, verse 7. Point A, rulership of all sheep. B, of all the oxen. C, and the beasts of the field. D, the fowls of the air. E, the fish of the sea. F, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. It means land, sea, and air is under the rulership of Adam before he, he rebelled against God. So man in his innocency had the power to rule and to reign over the visible creation as God's representative. Point five. As per Genesis chapter three, Adam sinned against God. And as the federal head over God's creation that resulted that everything under the rulership of man was lost, meaning paradise is now lost. Now what happened? There's a change in man. Listen to the change in man. One, man that was innocent 
is now sinful and guilty. He is guilty of high treason against God. Two, man that was meant to be free is now in bondage and in slavery by sin, Satan, and the fear of death. Three, man meant to be in fellowship with God eternally is now the prodigal son leaving Eden for a place outside paradise. Four, Adam now moves from immortality to mortality, meaning we were meant to live always, now receive the curse of death. We who were designed to be eternally in the presence of God, immortality now moves from immortality to mortality. It means from no death to dying. And everyone since Adam is still dying in our world today. Therefore, Psalm 8 reveals the credentials of Christ. Referring to Psalm 8, verse 5a, For thou hast made, point one, heaven and earth in Psalm 8, and Psalm 121, verse 2, says that God created the heavens and the earth. Two, Christ is the creator of all mankind, as per Genesis 126 and Psalm 8, verse 5. Three, Christ reigns supernaturally beyond time, space, and matter. He reigns over the seen earth, and he reigns over the unseen worlds that we cannot see with the mortal eye. Four, Christ sustains heaven and earth, the visible and the invisible, as per Hebrews 1 verse 2, by whom also he made the world. Hebrews 1.10 Thou Lord in the beginning has laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of thy hand. Psalm 8 verse 3 When I consider thy heavens the works of thy fingers the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Messiah that will come to rescue the perishing to rescue the dying is the same one who sustains the galaxies, the planets, the sun, and the moon in space. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's go to point B. Changing man calls for God to change. Summit 4 and 5. 1. The question, what is man, represents a conversation between God and the heavenly bodies or the heavenly beings' angels. 2. They ask the question, what is man that the sovereign God would take care of him? Why are you mindful of man? Because he's the object of divine favor. 3. The son of man, what you will visit. Why will you visit him? Messiah to the rescue. The status of man, this change in Adam, is the motivation for Messiah to visit our world. What does change in God mean? Summit, verse 5. 
for thou is made him a little lower than the angels. Point one. This statement introduced the subject of Christology. It means how God took on humanity, came to visit the world to redeem and to reclaim you and me. Whether you are a believer or not, Christ came to reclaim you. Christ came to redeem you. Point two. Christology represents God takes on human form. Point A, Psalm 8 verse 4, A, mindful of him, represents Operation Grace, what God will do to rescue man at all costs, even taking on frailty to redeem humanity. Point 2, Psalm 8 verse 4C, why will thou visit him? For God to visit us, God had to take on intentionally, deliberately, a step lower than the angels. Christ has to release the following to redeem us, to redeem you, and to redeem me, as per Philippians 2, verse 6. Point A. Listen to the change in God to redeem the change in man. The eternal person of Christ became mortal and take on temporalness in the likeness of man. Matthew 20, verse 28. Point B. The eternal being that can never die, now as man must die in the place of humanity, of you and me. John 1, verse 14. C. The sinless God now takes upon himself the sin of man. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 2. D, the eternal fellowship with God is broken and experience separation as man. Matthew 27, verse 46. Let us look at what Christ has accomplished. For you and for me, I say, in the person of Christ are two natures, that of divinity and humanity. It means God who is full and complete God takes on humanity. It means he takes on frailty like humanity to redeem humanity from itself. Let's look at the coronation of Christ. What he came to accomplish for you and what he came to accomplish for me. Psalm 8, 6 to 8. Now, this is a divine principle. This is a principle that I discovered in my understanding and the subject of Psalm 121. They call it the eternal axiom in the kingdom of God. One, the principle. A rabbi during the times of Jesus states the eternal principle that operates in the kingdom of God. He says, my humility is my exaltation. And my exaltation is my humility. So what happens? We have to investigate what the coronation of Christ means. One, for thou is made him a little lower than the angels. It means that God who is above man, above the earth, now takes on humanity to come to the world and to be equal with man. For thou has made him a little lower than the angels. Point A. Christ the very God. The creator of the entire cosmos. Steps 
down in time, takes on the form of man. As sovereign, Christ takes on the status of a slave, of a servant, represents Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Now listen to reading of Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant, and coming in the likeness of man. It means true divinity takes on true humanity to redeem you and to redeem me. Now, this is this is absolute mercy. This is absolute grace. It wants it calls you into fellowship of God again. Point C. As sacrificial lamb, Christ died once for all for the sins of the world. As per Philippians 2 verse 8. Point D. Explaining Philippians 2 verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even the death on the cross. So he became a curse to take the curse on humanity away. He came to forgive and not to condemn. Point E. At Christ's resurrection, the works of the devil is destroyed. It was destroyed, it is destroyed, it will ever be destroyed, and man has now the right and the privilege to call upon the God-man Jesus, and God will redeem, and God will forgive. I say again, point E, at Christ's resurrection, the works of the devil was destroyed and man was released from bondage by sin, Satan, the grave. F. In his ascension, the victorious Christ led the captives, those taken captive, displaying in this victorious procession, Satan is now in bondage. Satan is now chained and presented before the sovereign majesty of the entire universe. Only to realize that Satan is now under the feet of Christ. Operation Footstool. G. The conquest of Christ and his victory result in the following. What is the benefits of Christ conquering sin, Satan, death of the cross? Point one, Christ exalted with glory and honor. Remember the principle, my humility is my exaltation. So Christ who humbled himself is now exalted. Point one, Christ exalted with glory and with honor. Two, Christ has dominion over the works of thy hands. Three, yes, yes, put all things under his feet. Operation Futsal, Psalm 8, 7 and 8. Now, the categories that are placed under Operation Futsal, under the feet of Jesus, is A, all sheep, all oxen, and the beasts of the field, is once again under the, the rulership of a man. The God man Jesus. B. 
the fowls of the air, even the birds are under the control of the God-man, Messiah Jesus. See, even the fish of the sea is now under the rulership of the God-man, Jesus Christ. D, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. Point four, Jude 1, verse 24. Now listen to this majestic coronation, the position of glory and honor of Christ to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. So it means everything is under the feet of Christ eternally. Point five, 1 Timothy 6.15, which in times he shall sow, who is the blessed and the only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Messiah Jesus Christ, he is the only potentate, is the eternal dominion over kings, therefore he's the king of kings, over lords, because he's the Lord of lords. This is majestic. This is amazing. To all my listeners, Christ who came from upstairs, principal, listen to this. To all my listeners today, Christ who came from upstairs, downstairs, to redeem you and me, now as a result of his death and his resurrection, and his ascension, and his session, you and I, now has the privilege to go from downstairs, upstairs, the curtain of separation has been defeated and broken, men everywhere can call upon the name of Jesus, and they will be saved, it is finished, the price was paid, freedom in Christ is available on request. Amen. Paradise is now restored. This is Dr. Kevin Williams from Death Postponed Ministries with my talk, Ancient Principles from the Bible for today's problems. I say Jesus Christ is King of Kings and is Lord of Lords, is the first and the last, is the Alpha and the Omega, is the beginning and the end. He was dead. Hallelujah. And now he's alive eternally. For Christ's sake. Amen.